Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. Before we get started, I want to say that Emily does an interview on this episode with who, Emily? Michael Schenker. Yes, so stay tuned for that. And I'm going to be talking with... Alexandra Zerner. I hope I'm saying that right. Zerner. I think I am. Uh, So anyways, two great guitar players. One who was really the architect of heavy metal guitar in a lot of different ways. One of the one of the true I put him right up there with Iomi, really, 100%. and Van Halen, and and I mean he, I mean he was before Van Halen, obviously. So, but anyways, let's, uh, yeah, I can't wait to to hear this interview that Emily did with Michael Shanker, and let's get into the episode in just a minute. But before we do that, Emily, can you read through our patrons from Patreon? These people pledge money to us every month. And wow, we are just under 30 people at this point. So, and, and a great bunch of people. Emily, who are they? The list is growing. So, yes. Steve Hoker. Hey, Steve. Mike Jones. Dan Garawan. At Metal Dan. Jerry from Long Island. Hey, Jerry. Steven Saylor. Patrick Sportsman. Emma Clayton. Our first female. Well, you've already talked about. Yeah, Emma's great. Did, she Emma's she put awesome. up a picture of herself on Instagram yeah. wearing uh, the shirt that I sent Love to it. Australia. Amazing. Joe. Fred Rutz, Sam, is it Soupy or Suppy? He followed. Soupy. We're friends on uh, on Twitter. Drake, Matt Carroll, Jay Vanitsky, Jason Seth, Jean-Francois, blah, Blay. I just listened to the pronunciation right. online and I can't remember. Ron Keel, hey Ron. James Bennett, Sean Morgan, David I, Grav, I, and I can't. David Gray. Writing. Yeah, David oh, Gray. Gray. Yeah, Mr. You're, David Gray. Your yeah. writing is as bad as our 10-year-olds. Um, Ralph Petrie, John Boveri, Michael Street, Richard Langridge, Miles Atwood, and Anthony Mackey. Yeah, what a great Thanks group. so much, you guys. And who's the, the one guy, Dan? Um, what, Dan, at Metal Dan? No, the, isn't no. there another Dan, or is it Rich? I know th- there's a bunch of people who just joined, um, and yeah. Oh, well, there's there's Richard Langridge. Yeah, My, he just joined. 
Um, I think he's new. There were a couple other names. Oh, Dan uh, Garawan. Yeah, he's Gar- new too. Garawan. So, yeah, welcome guys. And it's great to have you aboard the Patreon club. You guys are the executive producer of this podcast, which is called Talking Metal. Black Label presents Heavy Montreal, the heaviest festival in Canada. Back for a 10th edition, two days of rock and metal. July 27th and 28th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau. Witness Slayer perform their last show in Quebec ever. Performances by Ghost, Godsmack, Evanescence, Slash, Anthrax, Steel Panther, Kill Switch Engage, and many more. 40 bands playing four stages on a festival site that you have to see to believe. Festival passes are on sale now. Visit heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
right. So, wow. As we mentioned in the uh, the cold open, as us uh, production people like to call it, as we mentioned in the cold open, uh, we have two great guests, and they are Alexandra and Michael. And I cannot wait to talk with both of them. Actually, we've already spoken with both of them. These interviews were recorded ahead of time. And that song we heard right there, Emily, classic Michael Shanker group, Assault Attack featuring Graham Bonnet, who I just, I mean, I love the work he did with Shanker. I love the work he did with Alcatraz and Engve. Uh, I love the work that he did with um, Impelitary and everything the guy has done has just been so great. Graham Bonnet. And now Bonnet. he's out and he's out right now with Shanker. Yeah, he's got like all the classic vocalists yes. and then and then Doogie too. Yeah, Graham, Gary, um, he's got Macaulay Shanker, or not Macaulay, Robin Macaulay. The group, <laughs> it was called Macaulay Shanker Group yeah. at the time. And I saw Macaulay Shanker Group open for Rush at, Amazing. at uh, in Worcester, one of the only shows I saw in Worcester. And it had to be 1987, 88. And yeah, that was a great concert. I caught a drumstick by wh- whoever was playing drums. Amazing. I'm not sure. Maybe one of you guys know. Wh- whoever was playing drums for Macaulay Shanker on the Rush tour, um, I caught a drumstick. And then when I came out, I'd separated from my friend who was a drummer, and I uh, I uh, faked him out and said, look, I caught Neil Peart's drumstick. But it wasn't Neil Peart's. It was the guy <laughs> from Macaulay Shanker. But there you go. Let's keep the uh, music going. And first, just uh, tell everyone... Well, we'll come back and talk about that. Let's hit a request. This goes out to one of our patrons, Mike Jones, the Greyhound guy. You know, Mike oh, down the in uh, the Trenton area of New Love. Jersey, Lawrenceville. I, I used to work in Lawrenceville. Yep. I think I've told Mike that. Yes, and I, I lived in Pennington, not far from, from Lawrenceville. So, Mike, this is for you. It's called Roll Over You, and it is by D. Snyder.
little D. Snyder from one of our patrons, Mike Jones. Yes, off the Love of Metal album, which I think came out last year. And Steven Saylor chimed in on Patreon and said, "That's a great choice, Mike. I bought I bought for the love of for the love of metal on CD, and I really enjoyed it. Cool." And Stephen, I just before I forget, I just wanted to thank you for helping line up one of our interviews today with Alexandria Zarner. So that's coming up shortly. But first, I want to talk about M3. I'm so excited to get down to M3 with you, Emily. Not wait. And I really should, after we're done recording this, pull out the laptop and start lining up our interviews and make making sure we have passes and everything because it's getting a little late in the game. Mitch Lafon will be that be down there. Psycho Steve, a lot of fellow podcasters and interviewers. So we can't wait to hang with everyone. You know who else is coming? Lawn friend. Uh, lawn friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our favorite. Yeah, so we it's going to be absolutely off the uh, off the hook with Dokken, a special appearance by George Lynch and Mick Brown at this this performance. I can't believe that. Uh, White Snake autograph. I'm excited to see Black and Blue. I really. You've am. never seen them. I've never seen them. Isn't of course, it'll be without Tommy Thayer, but it still should be pretty cool. I cannot wait. What Tommy? What's Tommy doing? Tommy's in a little band I'm called kidding. Kiss. I'm yeah. joking. That was a <laughs> yeah. joke. Yeah. Uh, Tora Tora. Which you I thought I was serious, didn't you? For like a split second. <laughs> but but I, I, I know better. Um, you are not serious ever. Uh, enough's <laughs> enough. Vixen. Vane. I've never seen Vane. I really want to see Vane. L.A. Guns. Skid Row. Oh, should we talk about the controversy nah, there? No, <laughs> I don't want to get into that. But yeah, there's obviously two different versions, two of, versions LA of L.A. Guns, LA Guns going yeah. on right now. We just saw the other version in New York with Tracy and Phil. And now we're going to see the uh, other version with Kelly and some other people uh, <laughs> at M3. So in the meantime, uh, let's uh, rock a little black and blue here on Talking Metal. Yeah. 
remember seeing that video for Hold On to 18 on uh, VHS that my friend had dubbed me. He had MTV and I didn't, and he dubbed me a bunch of things. Was this off. pre-Headbangers Ball? Yeah. Oh, years and years, years before Headbangers. I mean, it had to be four or five years before Headbangers. Hold On to 18 by Black and Blue. And I love that video and thought they were just fantastic. So... Without further ado, let's get into Michael Shanker. Emily, you conducted this interview. I've had the uh, I've interviewed Michael twice for Talking Metal and once for that metal show. Um, and uh, yeah, it was my first time, and I, I honestly I'm such a huge fan, so in awe of him, and I really think he's one of the architects of the entire you know heavy metal genre. Really, he is. I mean, he is to me and to a lot of people, and. I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. So it was thrilling to to speak with him. And, and in some and, ways, and no disrespect towards, I mean, we always say Iomi, which, yeah, sure. And and Van Halen. And, and you know, people will say, well, Paige and and Richie Blackmore brought the, the guitar heaviness to a new uh, level, which they did. But to me, Michael Michael Shanker, even more important than than those guys for this genre. <laughs> for of this music. genre. Not, yeah. not not more so than Iomi, but 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 for our genre more so than Paige and uh and, and Blackmore. And in my can, humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent. And uh I I was so thrilled to get to talk to him. I had so much more to say to him and to ask him right but we were kind of stuck at like yeah. 20 minutes they you know, told they, us a tight 20 minutes tight 20 because yeah. he's doing a lot i mean he had just done his first show the night before at at the whiskey in right. la and he had two more shows to do at the whiskey so i didn't want to you know but i could have talked to him for another hour i mean for sure i didn't even get to show off my german Oh no. He would have been so impressed, right? Yes, he would have. <laughs> he would have, of course. Yeah, so without further ado, let's get into some classic Shanker right here on Talking Metal, followed by Emily Striegel's brand new interview with Michael Shanker.
Michael. <laughs> Michael. This is Emily yeah. Striegel from the Talking Metal Podcast. How are you? Yeah, fine. Thank you. How are you? So nice to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to welcome you to the Talking Metal Podcast. This is my first time speaking with you. I know we've had you on before, but I said it's my turn to interview legendary guitarist Michael Shanker. So good to have you here. Uh, be- before we get started, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. I know in the past few days you lost your former bandmate from UFO, Paul Raymond. And um, yeah. I, I had you been in touch with him all in recent years? How are you doing? Well... You know, you have all have been doing their own thing for quite a while now. And uh, once in a while, I helped Paul out and uh, he came with Jam with us um, it was quite a few years ago. I think I haven't seen him really for like oh, six years or something like that. But I knew he was living in Germany, which was a very surprise. And um, But, you know, I mean... We lost Pat on the 19th of January, and then on the 13th in the morning, I get the message that Paul Raymond passed away. It's just like you don't really know who who is next, and and it comes, you know, it's like it's often people you don't think. Right, (laughs) right. I know. The ones who we thought would be gone 20 years ago are still hanging in there, and then we're losing so many people lately. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was Elliot from Dean Guitars who looked so healthy and and was really fit, and then he died out of the blue, you know. And so it's crazy, you know, but I I guess one, you know, it's just... As soon as you're born, you're subject to death, and, and that's a part of life. And, you know, I just say to myself, like, uh, you know, they, 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 are, they, they are going beyond where we are going to be following. You know? It's true. So we're going to meet, meet them later. We will meet them later. And the moral of the story is live every day to its fullest, which you are doing a fantastic job of this. Start, I mean, I am so excited to hear about the second leg of the Michael Schenker Fest Tour, which started last night in Los Angeles. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. The Resurrection it's the second leg of the resurrection tour and we are having an album out on a, a new one which is already completed we already had uh, a listening party in europe uh, we inter- invited uh, european press um international press and uh, and they love the album my my um the the head, the head of nuclear blast in germany he is in love with the album he said absolutely killer and so really happy about that. But now, for now, we're focusing on the second leg of the Resurrection Tour. Started yesterday at the Whiskey A Go-Go, where everything started for me in America when I was 18. I think my first concert was there. And, wow. uh, and that was the first time we toured with UFO in the States. The second day was San Francisco, 6,000 people holding a, a, a light, a fire or a candle <laughs> or whatever they did, used in those days. And then I guess we made it all the way through to the East Coast. And I'm sure we played on that same, uh, because we used to do a lot of touring with Jess Rotel in those days and... Uh, you know, some other bands like that were like headliners and UFO were just kind of, you know, getting getting uh, like an underground, uh, um, uh, you know, hot tip. And uh, so we developed, you know, um, very quickly from Phenomenon to 
faucet and so on and, and up to strangers in the night. Actually, it took only eight years. And um, the first part of my my life was uh, dealt with. And then I did uh, the Michael Schenker group and wrote the song Into the Arena. That was the time to get onto the battlefield, the school of life, to learn about you know, who I am. I had no clue who I was in the first part of my life. I was just having fun playing guitar. I didn't chase anything. I didn't compete. I, I had no, you know, no, 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 I, I mean, idea about this kind of stuff. I just, I just had fun playing guitar. And all of a sudden people were saying, <laughs> Michael Schenker is God. You know? I, went, what, what I know. Well, you yeah. say, you say, I wasn't chasing anything. Well, Michael, you didn't have to chase anything because you were the leader. I mean, you're one of the most influential guitarists of our time. So it's, it's so exciting to see you back out on the road. I can't wait to see you when you come out East and on this tour, you have original MSG singers, Gary Barden, Graham Bonnet, and uh, Robin McCauley, right? Yeah, and, and in addition, addition, Doogie White from Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock. Temple of Rock, which right. Keeps it past, yeah, which keeps it past and yeah. current, which is really good that Doogie joined the Michael Schenker Fest. <clears throat> but because we have made the Resurrection album, now even the MSG singers, they are also current because we are performing stuff from the Resurrection album as well. And then Doogie has already, with Doogie White, um, we did the Temple of Rock with Herman and Francis from the Scorpions, and we toured for five years. So Doogie has established his own reputation now um, with his, uh, you know, songwriting. Um, um, we as a songwriting team, Doogie White and Michael Schenker, and, uh, you know, yesterday when we played, the people, they couldn't believe it. They were really into <laughs> I the, the Doogie White stuff, you know, because it's so current and it's a different writing in a way because and because Doogie White is a heavy metal singer. And so, you know, uh, um, the, the songs um, since 2008, you know, I lost my stage fright, I guess, because I was in the school of life. I was learning a lot and had a lot of breakthroughs and I turned 180 degrees and I had become a frontman from the shy little boy in the beginning. And, uh, you know, now we, we are, uh, I, I have become a frontman and, and, uh, you know, so like we, um, that in 2008, when I, when I said to myself, I want to be on stage, I said, what, Michael, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> and I took that as a sign that, uh, the middle years, the school of life, uh, is done with, dealt with, um, and, uh, that it's time to go back to the roots where I left off with strangers in the night. And that's what I did. You know, I didn't reach for the, for the commercial success in my middle years. I, I was granted to experience what it was like, you know, to, 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 to be um, famous. So I was able to make a decision if I needed to stay up there or if I wanted to carry on with my vision, uh, doing pure self-expression and, and um, um, experimenting with music and, I decided to, you know, let the commercial machine do its thing. And I just, you know, stepped back a bit and, uh, you know, started things on a lower level, but focused more on experimenting. I did instrumental albums, you know, acoustic instrument, electric instrumentals and, and all that kind of stuff. I got everything out of my system. And instead of plat double platinum albums and, and all the money that the 80s musicians made, when I left that scene, I became fulfilled instead. And and that's wonderful because 
That's exactly what I want. I, I've, I've got two tattoos on my back. One says born to be free and one says born to overcome. And that's why the Middle years were so important for me to to learn about life, about myself and, and get, get a deeper understanding, maybe some questions, answers, some, some kind of revelations. I mean, some realizations, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of that, you know, I, I, I have uh, built a cake and I'm getting a lot of icing now, you know, versus <laughs> if I would have made a choice to stay up there, go with Ozzy Osbourne or stay with UFO or go mm -hmm. with Scorpions, they would have hated me because of my experimental state of mind, you know. Right. I wouldn't have fitted the commercial machine. But they got a lot of icing, but they have no cake. So uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a cake. I told this our video producer. He said, "Oh, you mean like a lot of feathers with no, with, without meat?" Yeah, it was just like that. <laughs> feathers, meat, icing, cake—it's the same analogy. I love it. I love it. But yeah. you know, the thing is, yeah. everyone realizes that you're authentic. I mean, the word that comes to my mind about you—you you stayed true to you. And everyone knows it. So that authenticity is what allowed you to, that's probably why you overcame your stage fright. Cause you were, you were true to yourself and you didn't have to please anyone else or try and figure out, Oh, what's the next big thing? You were, you were authentic, you know? Yeah. And there's a, and there is a saying. So when you're 20 years old and you hear that, that, that wisdom of, of, of speech, uh, like people say, stay true to yourself and everything else will be added onto you and more. Um, you don't know really what that means when you're 20 and you don't also don't necessarily believe it. And you, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting, but you know, that's not really why I did it, but I heard about, I knew about that saying, you know, you hear it when you're young, but when you actually stay true to yourself yes. and I did that for a half a century so far then you find out it's not just a saying it is actually a fact absolutely because you you lift it and now you know it is true absolutely and you know I'm I'm in awe of you because it seems like your creative output is at an all-time high I mean you are just putting out so much music and so you know what What's inspiring you to work so hard right now to make so much new music at this stage in your career? Is it exactly what you said just now that you've kind of come through this this part in your career and now you just feel free to create? Well, the thing is, I I, I did look. I had so I was bubbling with creativity. I mean, overflowing. I was over. It it had to be. It had to be dealt with on a different level. I needed to do whatever came to my mind to get everything out of my system. Electric instrumentals, uh, acoustic instrumentals. I I did albums where one risk to another were. Other musicians could have helped themselves. I could have made out of one album, 10 albums. That's how much material was on there. Right. So I needed to get all of this out. And maybe it was meant to be that I did that because maybe it helped the rock world to stay a bit fresher rather than keep recycling the trend and, and the trend and then recycle that and then recycle that. And in the end, you have got nothing left. So because I wasn't really... 
uh, needed in the 80s. You know, I created in the 70s what people use in the 80s. Maybe True. that was my assignment. Yeah. And then I went, and then I went, then I wasn't needed for the 80s. And the people that were, you know, busy in the 80s, they were, you know, maybe musically not that developed. And it made it easier for the audience to understand what was going on because maybe what I was, you know, it, 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 I think it encouraged people, you know, for instance, ACDC, you know, keeping it very simple. It encourages people maybe to play music themselves. Wow, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. You know, and so on. And and I guess, um, you know, and then when, when when all of that was done, now people, after 40 years of, of this music, you know, people are educated, you know, they're ready to, to go to deeper levels. And, and, you know, and I'm coming back and I've been back since 2008. I started to 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 get back into the, the thing. And then, of course, because, like I said, I overflow with creativity and, and I got everything out of my system. That's uh, that, first of all, all the experimental stuff, crazy stuff that I did. Is it's it's done with. I can play saxophone now if I want to right? because I did everything. But I don't want to play saxophone. I want to do the Michael Schenker Fest and I want to celebrate. Uh, and 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 the band and everybody else in the band is also celebrating. You know, we want to celebrate our lives and we want to celebrate that whole journey that includes our fans and everybody involved. You know, and so. It's a journey, and and it's so fantastic to see the smiling eyes and smiling faces, you know, looking at you, having a show on stage that includes a whole decade of of different eras of my of my uh, lineups and uh, singers, you know, Gary Barden, Graham Bonnet, Robin McCauley, and then later Dougie White, starting in around, uh, when was it, 2012, um, maybe 2000, yeah, 12, 13, and we did like two albums together, and uh, the people, they they um, singing along with, even with Dougie stuff, you know, and yeah. so he has, you know, Temple of Rock has even got some classics now, uh, already five six years later, and and it's great, you know. For it must be great um, for the audience to see um, a whole ten years, you know, flashing by in front of them in one in a, uh, an hour. Uh, I mean, uh, 150 minutes on stage, going through the most popular music of Michael Schenker, uh, sung by original singers, with the exception of U of O songs, of course, and uh, the, the you know and the Scorpions. Amazing, amazing. And so, the, uh, are you doing any songs from the new album at all on the tour? Or are you saving all those? Not, not of the very new album, yeah. because this is the resurrection to a second leg. Yeah. And we, because we had a lot of success doing the first one last year, and we uh, left out a lot of cities because America is so big. So we decided to to do the cities where there was still people wanting to see this, and then also we we did we repeated some cities, but but in different venues. Like for instance, yesterday, uh, the the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, so the whiskey a go go, which was the beginning, which, which you know we played in Anaheim last year, uh, a big place, and and this time, um, you know, somebody suggested, hey, let's do a special in, oh, uh, in the whiskey go go. So and, jealous! I'm not there. Three nights at the whiskey, yeah, amazing. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it must be the extreme experience because it's so small and so intimate and so close to the people, you know. But it's the only one that we do on that level. But 
you know, it's it's great to do this sometimes, and and people, it's a, it's a very different connection, you know, to oh, yeah. the to the band on stage than it is in a bigger place. It has, you know, bigger place has got another uh, advantages, you sure. know, but. This was an extreme experience, you know, our first show at the Whiskey A Go Go. And then, of course, you know, Ted McKenna passed away on the 19th of January. And then we had to really figure out what to do. And uh, so we, we uh, Simon Phillips came out of the, uh, you know, he was the first drummer of the Michael Schenker group uh, in 1980. And so he was happy to 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 be part of this. And then Bodo Shop from the Macaulay Schenker Group, uh, he also was available. And because we have a 150-minute show and 13 songs to record on an album, on the new album, Ted was scheduled in for the 21st of February. And so, you know, we had to figure out how to deal with this. And it was too much for one drum. And so Simon Phillips wasn't available for touring anyway. And so we decided between, you know, Bodo, between Bodo and Simon, mm -hmm. Simon would do 10 songs on the new album called Revelation. And Bodo did three songs. And then I took Bodo to the UK with me and we, we rehearsed our butts off, you know. And That's we awesome. got everything done in time. We did, we finished the master for the album, um, did a listening party on the 30th uh, of, of March. And uh, it went down very well. And then we we got ready to uh, Bodo got everything done with me on the by the time uh, well we had Chris there and, and Steve too. By the time we uh, just before we left uh, on the twenty fourth um, of of uh, March, we we finished our re our rehearsal with the musicians. And then we came over here and did full rehearsals and. Uh, you know, everything <laughs> worked out. That's and fantastic. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> and so you, here we go, the beginning of the tour. Yeah, it's amazing. And not only do you have so many dedicated fans, but you have so many musicians you've inspired through the years. And one of my favorite moments that I have to mention to you before you go is on the TV show, that metal show, when you did the duel with Kirk Hammett, who obviously you were extremely influential to Kirk and so many other guitarists. And then he went on to be on your album in 2018. Do you have a relationship with Kirk? Do you guys ever talk? Well, the thing is, well, I, you know, to be honest, I only talk to journalists on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, all right. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't talk to the, my closest people, to my family member. I don't talk on the phone. Yeah. I only text because somehow on the telephone, a lot of things, you know, I never used to have a phone when I was a kid. We had a neighbor knocking on our on our wall that there was a phone call. <laughs> My parents just simply didn't want the telephone. So I never established a relationship uh, with a telephone. And But I, I'm okay with the telephone if I do interviews, you know, I'm fine. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's not, I don't spend a lot of time um, talking uh, I, I spend more time focusing yes. and, 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 and creating, you know. You're an artist, and, uh, a true artist, Michael. Yeah. And so, so the telephone, I can communicate even with my, with my son, who is a tour manager. Um, you know, when he speaks to me, I can hardly understand what he's trying to say. But <laughs> when he emails me and, or texts me, I get the point. I have time to think about it. I have time to figure out how, instead of making a haste, you know, like a, a, a quick comments that maybe not being thought of, I like 
the I like the way of when people ask me something on a level of 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 you know putting a tour together and stuff like that. Hey, what do you think about that? Well, let me think about that, you know. And so, and when I explain how I see it. I can do it in such a way that it can't be misunderstood. And uh, sometimes in quick conversations on telephone, um, making arrangements, things can be miscommunicated. So uh, I, I like to, you know, do the the email approach and the uh, text messages. Uh, I like it much better. So the question was, do you, I... Um, uh, <laughs> What, 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 we were talking about we were talking about Kirk Hammett and by the way I'm right I'm with yeah, you yeah, yeah, I prefer Kirk. the written no, I prefer yeah Kirk, <laughs> yeah Kirk is like uh, you know I used to live with Peter Mensch you know he was the manager for Metallica yes for like two three years I I lived with him and and eventually he told me that Kirk that I'm his, his Santa Claus and, <laughs> and so. You know, and over the years, um, Kirk always wanted to meet me, and uh, James Hatford, you know, the the, the singer of of uh, Field uh, from Metallica, he came to a San Francisco show, and and uh, you know, before even Kirk, and so. Uh, eventually, Kirk had this idea, and they put together the metal, the metal, um, that metal show, you know, to jam with me and do all of these things. So he wanted to get that out of his system, <laughs> and so I agreed, and we did that. It was fantastic, and we, be, you know, we became kind of friends. And 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 then when it was time to to um, to to record, I I thought of him. I said, hey. Uh, Kirk, you know, do you want to do this? And he said, "Come on, of course, let's <laughs> of course. do it." Yeah, and and that was fantastic, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, so like I'm, you know, because I know, um, you know, that 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 uh, I mean a lot to him, and and uh, he is in the biggest band of the world in, in the world, and so I know the other guys. I know Ulrich. I, I mean, the music world is a small world anyway. You know, so like um, I know a lot of people and they are close to me, but it doesn't mean I talk to them every day. I hear you 100 percent. I'm right there with you. And I know you have a lot of other interviews and promotion to do. And you have show number two of the tour happening at, at the Whiskey Go Go tonight. So I won't keep you any further. But I want to remind our listeners, Talking Metal, Michael Schenkerfest kicked off the tour yesterday at the Whiskey Go Go. You guys are going to be. And you'll include performances in Vancouver, Chicago, New York. You're going to be going all the way up to May 18th in Austin, Texas. So check tour, tour dates because most likely they're going to be coming through your town. What's the best place we can find out about tour dates, Michael? Yeah, Michael Senka himself. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's the, the, the website. Yes. Uh, uh, Facebook, you know, they can find out. Uh, um, that's it, I all guess. Right. Or, yes. Yeah. Keep your eyes open and your ears open, and we're definitely going to catch you when you're out east. It's a pleasure having you on Talking Metal today, Michael. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Thank you very much. All right. Enjoy the rest of the tour. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.
All right, that song right there, Heart and Soul, featuring on guitar, not only Michael Shanker, but Kirk Hammett of Metallica and Robin McCauley on vocals. Um, Yeah, man, great stuff. So good. Cool. So let's get into another song. This is Who Lives Forever by Bronx Casket Company.
That goes out to Steve Hoker, Who Lives Forever by Bronx Casket Company. Steve, you are one of our patrons. Thank Yo, you for Steve. supporting us Steve there. isn't just a patron. Steve's a friend. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Man, absolutely. we've hung out with Steve. Yes. He's great. Great guy. And right now we're going to get into my interview with uh, a cool, cool chick who I didn't know anything about until Steven Saylor introduced me to her. And wow, what an introduction. What a great musician. I mean, this you got to hear her. She takes it to another level. I mean, it's not just like metal and hard rock. There's classical influences, jazz influences. I mean, she is total musician. You're going to love this, Emily. Her name is Alexandria Zanner, and she is just fantastic. This is The Oracle off the Opus 1880 record from 2018, followed by my interview with Alexandra.
it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have Alexandra Zarenair, guitar Hello. player. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Tell us, tell us the story behind your last name. That's a unique last name. Am I pronouncing it right? Uh, yes, yes. Thank you for that. Um, it's uh, it's coming from uh, Czech actually, because my my family comes from the Czech Republic uh, some decades ago, and uh, this is where the name comes from. As far as I know, it dates back to uh, Austria, and uh, this is the farthest that I could track. Right. Wow. History. But basically, this is um, where it comes from. Yeah, my my last name is Striegel, and I've heard you know it's German, but it also has some some roots in in Austria. I've heard so uh-huh. it's very very interesting. And you know what? I, I just want to talk to you. Let's get right to it. Your guitar playing is absolutely fantastic. And my friend Steven Saylor recently turned me on to your playing. And I, I must admit, sadly, I wasn't aware of you before he spent some time filling me in on on who you are and and playing me some of your songs and i gotta say that the new album opus 1880 which is probably less than less than like five months old at this point it just sounds so great and let's let's talk about this record and then maybe we'll get into a little bit of your your history this is correct me if i'm wrong is this your your what what number record is this for you how, how many uh, records it's third full album third but it's a like a double disc right uh yes it's a double cd yeah wow third third album and it sounds fantastic did you work with a certain producer on it uh i'm the producer you were the producer and actually i did almost everything uh, regarding the work of this album from the composing to mastering to basically everything wow well congratulations because it's not only is the guitar playing great but i mean the the songwriting is also just fantastic there are some great guests on the record i guess i'd i'd call them with you but but let's talk about the difference between how you approach songwriting and how you approach just like playing guitar uh do you have to get in a different mindset to actually create songs as opposed to just sitting down and playing guitar it's hard to explain actually right. what's happening. I believe there is a different mindset um, in both cases because uh, when I'm just playing, it's one mindset. Usually it's more like the practice mindset. And uh, at certain moments it becomes uh, jamming or when certain riffs or a melody uh, pops in my head and then uh, the mindset mindset shifts of course because it's uh, already a different kind of uh different kind of task right yeah do. so composing is uh, different from practicing and uh, uh one requires uh, just um focusing on technical execution and things like that uh, right. while composing is uh, a little bit more uh, abstract uh thing to do yeah, and they both are different from uh, what I have on my daily basis, like uh, when I'm just reading or working something else. Right, right. Very, and again, the songwriting is just great on this. And let, let's talk a little bit about the the story behind it, because um, you know, would you would you consider it a concept record? Would you consider it a concept record? Uh, yes, it's absolutely a concept record. Actually, my uh, 
previous albums are also concept records, but they're uh, a little bit harder to uh, grasp like such because um, probably uh, the way I constructed them was not uh, not yet so prominently conceptual. I mean, uh, not so easy to see that it's a conceptual work, especially the first album, Nine Stories. Uh, it's very hard to see the, the common thread that goes along the whole album. But the new one, uh, the Opus 1880, is a complete work like a progressive rock symphony or something like that. Absolutely. And what is the actual story behind Opus 1880? The actual story may may sound a little bit cheesy because it's uh, the main idea is uh, like it's a romantic story, but it's actually a steampunk a sci-fi type of uh, novel. Right. And it's actually a book and uh, this is what goes together with the album. So it's like... A, uh, soundtrack to a book or something something like that and uh, it's about a woman who is searching for the perfect love and this is the cheesy part right right and, uh, she encounters a lot of uh, strange uh, problems along the, the journey and um, it in- intertwines very very interesting things like uh, uh, science and some sort of uh, occultism and um, all kinds of interesting things. I believe every fan of uh, fiction uh, writing would be satisfied by such production. And since I know that uh, a lot of my fan base are actually interested in such kinds of literature and uh, such kinds of movies and so forth, and uh, this was one of the reasons I went for such solution for this album. Right. Now, now you said, did you say there was a book that, that goes with the album? Uh, yes, there wow. is a book which is based on this exact story, which I invented, so to say. And I work with a professional writer so we can do an actual book because I'm not a writer. I right, right. just sketch the story, the characters, locations, and just some important um, points in the story. Uh, but everything else uh, I did together with uh, Slav Georgiev. Um, he has uh, his first book on Amazon. So everyone who is interested can check him out. Absolutely. Will the Opus 1880 book be available for purchase? Uh, it goes along with the CD. So it comes with a, the CD. Okay. It's a full package. Uh, and there are the two CDs, uh, the booklet with the lyrics and the actual book. So it's all uh, one product that uh, everyone can find on my site, which is alexandrasernier.com. That's awesome. And was the making of Opus 1880 a lot different from your previous albums? Um, not very different, but uh, to a certain degree, yeah. First, of course, it's uh, way, way longer because it's two hours of music, essentially. There are uh, 22 songs, uh, and 
they are very, very different in terms of uh, genre uh, because I spread my musical mind to wonder whatever I decide to because uh, the whole story actually uh, develops in a very, very strange way and uh, I need to describe what's happening there uh, in a proper way and this requires a little bit uh, more variety in terms of styles and instruments and so forth. So I needed to work with um, a broader range of instruments and uh, approaches. So this is one of the things that uh, makes it more difficult. Also, this is the first album that I work with singers and uh, it was an um, additional challenge. So some some of the singers, Ivan is on there with you and, and I know Angel, right? And uh, Yes, there are um, several singers and guest musicians in general. So the singers are uh, Ivan Ivanov, which is a singer from the Bulgarian metal band Velion. Um, which are my friends and they make awesome music. You can check them out. Uh, Angel Wolf Black, uh, who is currently singing in Vivaldi Metal Project. Uh, and Angel actually sings most of the songs in the album. There are right. uh, in total uh, 11 songs. She and, sounds great, by the way. What a, what a voice. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> and there are 11 songs, 11 instrumentals. Uh, that are spread um, not entirely evenly, but uh, you can find uh, both songs and instrumentals in both parts of the, the album. Ivan Ivanov is doing uh, some uh, spoken words along the album, which is uh, a requirement for a progressive rock right, uh, right. opera, so to speak. Um, and um, he also sings in one of the tracks, uh, I've got uh, Svetlana Bliznakova from the Bulgarian uh, rock band Sevi. Uh, she sings in two songs. Uh, she also has an amazing voice, very dramatic. Um, I've got my friend uh, Michel Liev, who sings in one of the songs. He has a great vocal school here in Sofia, uh, Bulgaria. And uh, these are the singers. I've got um, a few guest musicians, uh, and they are uh, Frank Hermani from Adagio, the French progressive metal band, their epic band. Uh, Bobby Koble uh, from right. Death. Um, Javor Pachowski, which is a keyboard player in two progressive rock Bulgarian bands. Uh, one of them is called Yuvigi and the other one is uh, called Balkanji. Very, very nice bands. Uh, I also have uh, Gretchen Men. I was going to uh, ask you about Gretchen because she's she's an American guitar player, right? Uh, yes, yes. And she's a friend of mine. She's an uh, outstanding musician and guitar player, composer and wonderful person as well. How did you get to know her? social media okay. and and we started communicating and uh, we found a lot of common interested interests uh, like books and uh, all kinds of uh, things and so we started talking and uh, this is how it developed 
Awesome. You know, on the album, I hear so many different musical influences. Obviously, there's the hard rock, there's the heavy metal, but you know, I, I hear hints of classical, hints of even jazz. Am I am jazz fusion? Am I correct in that? Yes, and I wanted to mention uh, two more names. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but since we speak about classical, yes, I've got a cello player, which is Nora Kalcheva from the Bulgarian. Uh, uh, string quartet of the strings. This is how they are called the strings. Um, Mysteria, of course, epic uh, keyboard piano player, which is the mastermind behind Vivaldi Metal Project. And he also plays with um, Bruce Dickinson and many more uh, cool. bands and artists. He's genius. And he played a beautiful piano part in one of the tracks. and. Uh, Nora Kalcheva plays uh, the cello part in the same the same song. The jazzy thing is actually thanks to Bobby Colville because uh, besides uh, being a lead guitar player for Death and um, consequently Death to All Tours, the tribute band that they're actually doing tours. Right. Um, he's also a professor of jazz guitar. Wow. And um, this is why I made this track especially for him with with a jazz part and metal part so um, we can hear um, him in both uh, different uh, emploi uh, very cool and he did a wonderful job yes through like everyone else Again, we are talking about the album Opus 1880. We're going to have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. You guys have to hear this album. It's absolutely fantastic. And Alexandra, um, what about the music scene over in Bulgaria? Sophie, Bulgaria? Bulgaria, That's where you're from? Sofia. What is it like? Very tight. Actually, it's very, very hard to do music here in Bulgaria in general uh, because it's a actually it's a poor country. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so the music scene suffers a lot, and um, there are tons of uh, bad influences here that happen, and uh, it makes it hard for the musicians who do rock and metal and uh, this kind of music to make. And any actual music career here. So all of the musicians actually have uh, additional one or two jobs just to make sure that um, they will secure a living and they will be able to buy gear and uh, invest into uh, cities, merchandise and things like that. So right. yeah, it's very hard. Right. Totally understand that. And what about your musical influences when you were younger, who were some of the, the people that inspired you musically? Oh, it's a very, very long list. I'm sure it is. Because you're so diverse. I mean, you hear so much different, many different styles in your playing. So I'm sure there's a lot of different influences. Uh, yes, I, I happen to listen to a lot of things uh, in my childhood and in my teenagers and uh, later. Basically, uh, what I remember is that um, I was very, um, very inspired by uh, bands like uh, Pink Floyd and Queen and uh, Beatles and then uh, Dio, Metallica, uh, Megadeth, uh, 
Blind Guardian and uh, then a lot of progressive rock bands like uh, Yes, Marillion, uh, Jet Rotel, um then Dream, Dream Theater, of course, Rush. It's hard to list all of them. Of course, guitar players that I came to know when I started playing. Uh, so probably my uh, first inspiration, purely guitar-wise, was uh, Brian May. And this was right. uh, his, uh, his parts that I was playing on tennis racket when I was, oh, wow. I was a child. Yeah, and... Um, uh, lately, I discovered uh, Ingrid Malstein, Jason Becker, Marty Friedman, um, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, Tony McAlpine, John yep. Petrucci, of course, and many more after that. But I believe uh, these were the, the first one that made me really into this uh, kind of playing. Right. And when did you start playing? Um, I started playing actually um, just before I turned eight. Wow. And um, I started with classical guitar, actually. I played for a few years and um, I believe four years I played classical guitar and uh, then I switched to electric and um, uh, this is how it all started. And uh, since I, I was very interested in music in general and uh, uh, all the time I was uh, trying to produce music from uh, everything that creates sound. Uh, so it could be even a frying pans or uh, right. whatever thing that you can actually imagine. And I was very interested in playing all kinds of instruments. and. And this is how I started playing bass. Uh, I took some drums lessons. Uh, I started playing piano. A um, few, few years later, I started playing um, uh, mandolin, uh, banjo, steel guitar. And um, recently, actually, a few months ago, I started playing the flute. Really? Wow. Wow. It's... Good for you. That's awesome. And I know you do like session work and collaborations too outside of your own stuff. Could you talk a little bit about some of your recent collaborations? The recent collaborations are, for example, with uh, the band CV that I mentioned. Right. That uh, Svetlana Blislakova uh, is the lead singer of this band. And I worked with them together with the new album, Follow Me. Uh, and I recorded basically all the guitars and keyboards in this album except uh, one song and um, essentially this is the, the newest thing and before that the last thing I collaborated with I believe it was the Vivaldi Metal Project I recorded a solo for the debut album The Four Seasons Cool. And you give guitar lessons too, right? By a Skype? So even somebody in America could take guitar lessons from uh, you. Yes, yes. This is my main job, actually. Yeah. And how do they get in touch with you? Is that just through the website for guitar lessons? Uh, yes, on the website, there's a link for the guitar lessons and there are all the options and explanations of uh, everything that I offer, different kinds of options and stuff. Cool. 
Cool. Well, you're a fantastic yeah, player. I mean, that's evident. And Facebook group uh, page about oh, cool. my lessons. Okay, cool. We'll have that up in today's show notes, guys, on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. Uh, I see that you're going to be doing some supporting of the Great Dream Theater later this year. Is is that correct? Oh, yes, yes. How did that come about? Uh, really a uh, dream come true. I can imagine. Uh, uh, yes, they're just, uh, they wanted uh, three local bands from Bulgaria uh, as an open act. And I sent my EPK and uh, since I'm one of the few uh, progressive rock artists uh, currently in the Bulgarian scene, uh, probably this is one of the reasons I actually came to be uh, one of the three bands that will be opening uh, for Dream Theater. That's and awesome. This is how it happens. And uh, I, I still find it hard to believe because it's an epic thing for me. I, I mean, there was, um, uh, they were uh, one of the bands that uh, inspired me the most for being a progressive rock musician in general. So, yeah, it's a huge thing for me, really. Congratulations. I, that's going to be Thank a you. great show, I'm sure. And have you opened for many other bands, uh, been a supporting act for many other bands in, in Bulgaria? Not many, actually. Not many, I no. opened for Stu Hamm and Greg Howe right. uh, cool. back in 2016. And basically, uh, this is it for now. And in 2018, you participated in the Female Guitarist Roundtable Discussion. Can you talk a little bit about what that was and and how it was for you? It was a huge honor uh, in the first place because uh, uh, I was invited by Jennifer Batten, and she's uh, also one of my uh, biggest inspirations back in the years and uh, I was uh, at first uh, very surprised because uh, I wasn't expecting such things uh, to happen and uh, sharing uh, this table with uh, such names um, it was really a huge honor for me and uh, I felt a little bit anxious and uh, uh, this is how it went. Uh, I I needed to spend some time just listening until I managed to uh, fit properly into the discussion because uh, right. Uh, yes, I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> yeah. So so Jen was Jennifer Batten who who contacted you about about doing it. Uh, yes, wow, we awesome. actually turned out that uh, we we've got. A uh, mutual friend, uh, which is a dear friend of mine, and he supported my career from the beginning. And um, he actually mentioned my name to her, and uh, I believe this helped a lot. Right. Sure. Sure. Well, to just wrap things up, I know you. I know you play many different instruments, and probably have tons of different instruments and and gears and pedals and amps and stuff, but Let's just talk about uh, no, no, no. Okay. I mean, I play a lot of instruments, but I don't have a lot of gear. Really? Wow. Okay. Yes. Well, what gear do you have? What are you, like? What What are your favorite guitars? What's your go to go to guitar? Uh, 
uh, I've got my uh, custom uh, guitar from uh, the Bulgarian brand Univox guitars, and this is my main instrument. Uh, it's uh, eight-string electric guitar, uh, and the other guitar that uh, I use is uh, an eight-string Jack Jackson. And basically, these are the electric guitars that I have. Right. I, I've got one electric bass and uh, one acoustic guitar and one mandolin, uh, lap steel guitar and the flutes. And I've got my MIDI keyboard and basically this is my gear. Wow. Okay. So not you're not really into having a lot of effects and, and pedals and stuff like that. Um, I am, but uh, can't really afford them. Gotcha. What about a banjo? You mentioned you play some banjo. Do you have a, your own banjo? Uh, yes. I don't have one. Right. I, I just borrowed back in the days, but right now I can't. Right. I hear you. Cool. Well, I hope we can turn some new listeners on to your music. Again, we're going to be featuring some of it on the podcast today and encouraging everyone to check it out. It's uh, on Amazon. It's on Spotify, iTunes, you name it. And uh, yeah, great, great work on Opus 1880. We really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today, Alexandra. Thank you very much for the opportunity and for the wonderful words. I'm, I'm very flattered. <laughs>
that right there, Memoirs of a Geisha from 2014 by Alexandra Zerner. Thank you, Alexandra, for joining us. We really appreciate your time. We wish you the best of luck, and we want all the Talking Metal listeners to go listen to your music, stream it online, and buy it, and support what you do. And also, she gives Skype uh, guitar lessons, which I think is really cool. And when you hear her play, uh, you will realize that, wow, she's got to be a great teacher because she knows her music for sure. And it's not just the technique. She obviously is uh, really into the theory and stuff, too. You can hear it. What beautiful music. What a beautiful guitar player she is making some just gorgeous music. So thank you, Alexandra, for hanging with me on Talking Metal. And thanks to Steve Saylor for uh, introducing me to her. Emily, I think that's going to do it. We're going to get ready for M3. And... uh, I got a lineup. We got to enjoy ourselves this year a little bit. Sometimes yeah. we go to these festivals and we run, 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 run. This yep. year, you and I are making a pact that we yeah. are going to have a beer together. Yes. And we're going to have beers with other people. And we're going to sit down and enjoy some music too and not just be running around the entire time. Now, I know but there was a bunch of listeners on Facebook who said they were going. So please track us down. I want to say down. hi to people yeah. too. Track us I down. get out there. Yeah. For sure. And we're going to leave it there today, guys. Uh, Please support us on Patreon. Get that bonus podcast every week. The only people who get it are the people who support us on Patreon. It goes up every Friday. It's uh, co-hosted by Victor Ruiz. And it's called the Mark Striegel Podcast, available exclusively to our 27 patrons on Patreon. And you can get that bonus podcast with as little as a $2 a month donation, which is like nothing. That's like you spend more on on your latte every day uh, than that. So yeah, check us out on Patreon, guys. And for $5 a month, you get the bonus podcast, plus I send you a t-shirt and a bunch of other stuff. So, So check us out on Patreon. Okay, cool. Later.